Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm joined today by Don Booth. Hello. And by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello. Usually I say I'm delighted to be joined, but the sight of both of you is not what I want on this bank holiday Monday. <laughs> I had to... Uh, Au contraire. Yeah. Well, we had the uh, the pleasure of experiencing United's second drop points in the week. At the weekend, Samuel, uh, loss against Crystal Palace's, well, it was their first win at Old Trafford, in fir- uh, league win in Old Trafford in 30 years. Uh, is it as bad as it seemed for you, the, the game? I mean, it's one of those, United dominated the the match really they were just lacklustre in front of goal they could have had another penalty they missed a penalty Palace lucky maybe to have 10 men do you think it's maybe an overreaction or or do you think it really was as bad as it seemed no I do think it was as bad as it seems and if if you're having to dwell on refereeing decisions and the referee was appalling but if, if you're having to dwell on those decisions against a team like Palace who were winless had lost at Sheffield United and were beaten quite easily by Sheffield United as well, then you've got problems. But United have got problems. They missed out on, not missed out on, but failed to sign two key players in the summer. They needed a midfielder, they needed a forward. It says a lot about this immature team that the oldest outfield player is probably going off his personality the most immature of those outfielders as well um, and Jesse Lingard who, who was rightly substituted uh, at the weekend could have come off earlier as well and just everything that Manchester United fans I think feared about this team it's it's come to the fore already in that they are too juvenile in attack they do lack experience uh, they are pretty poor at having to break teams down who sit off them it's almost as if, I mean, looking around the stadium on on Saturday in unblemished um, in the, on an unblemished skyline in Manchester, it kind of exposed just how how decaying the stadium is, and it also exposed the limitations of their team. Scott McTominay, I know he won the penalty, but when teams sit off him, it's almost as if they dare him to pick a pass. And unfortunately, it's he's not got that in his locker. Um, and therefore, there's an over-reliance on Pogba. Of course, he won the ball to um, spark that attack for Daniel James' goal, but he's he's liable to be robbed of the ball and, and concede a goal. It happened last season against Wolves. It happened again at the weekend. Unlike Mourinho, his manager isn't going to dig him out for that and you wonder whether Solskjaer does need to dig out certain players because he can't be happy with the way the transfer window went uh, the European window is open for one more week Matteo Damien's still there Rojo's still there Sanchez is still there they triggered the Hummians uh, one year extension and all they might have succeeded in doing is wasting more money on him flying out to the pre-season tour not playing and God knows how much on his wages over the next year Nice holiday if you can get it though, I suppose. I know, I know. Don, what did you make of the game yourself? Well, I just think that United 
they're sort of their own worst enemy at times. And like Samuel said, the mismanagement in the transfer window is that biggest issue. And I always feared that the, I think midfield was the, was the one for me where I think they needed a midfielder before under Herrera left the club. So in, in actual fact, they haven't, they haven't signed two midfielders um, in the summer. Fred is currently nowhere to be seen. McTominay is, uh, an applaudable player in terms of his work rate and and his attitude seems seems bang on and the fans identify with that but that midfield problem I just felt was always going to come back and haunt United at some stage in the season now people will say well they're two missed penalties away from nine points potentially uh, and they might well have had nine points if they maybe had the rub of the green but they would have this problem would have come back and haunted them at some other stage of the season and it's just odd that it's come back and haunted them against a poor Palace team basically who scored two free goals on the break and uh, and maybe it's a good thing for United that this has happened so soon maybe Solskjaer will address the problems he'll maybe reintroduce Fred I don't know add, add one matter in from the start bring in some players who can at least control the midfield and, and create some chances because I think that's the, the biggest issue Samuel I guess Dom touched on there that it was maybe a matter of time before this result was going to was gonna happen really but uh, do you think it's maybe that's, that's the issue with United because the result against Chelsea probably isn't a surprise they're the type of games United are still best catered for their style of play but they still can't break down these sides of control drafts and just sit back yeah it's just not their forte uh, they're like a, I mean, the irony is they made Chelsea look like a, a Wenger Arsenal uh, style team, but there's a bit of the Wenger Arsenal about United as well in that they have one tactic. Arsenal's tactic was to just keep the ball and attack. United's tactic is the counter attack, and when teams don't, you know, when, when teams don't go at them like Palace didn't, uh, it's a problem. I think. I think, was it three attempts on target at the weekend? Um, the goalkeeper did not have a meaningful to save to make. I think the, the the occasions where he was forced to actually stop the ball, it was probably trickling directly at him as one of the Rashford shots were. It's, it's as I've said, they're just too inexperienced. Uh, they've, they've lost or they've got rid of two senior players in Herrera and Lukaku they wanted replacements for both they didn't bother getting replacements for both it still boggles the mind why they were looking at Sean Longstaff as a midfielder uh, as a midfield option because they did need more um, more experience there. there there were targets ahead of Longstaff but again they went out of the Champions League at exactly the wrong time because they could not lure Matthijs to lit they couldn't lure Adrian Rabiot to the club had they got those players in I know Delit's only 19 but he'd have been a he'd been a hell of an option to have if he if he was viable and therefore this transfer strategy change which was essential has also been partially enforced because they're not Champions League club anymore and unfortunately for Solskjaer there's a very good chance that they won't be a Champions League side next season as well, at which point you have to say, is this the man to go forward with? I know it's still extremely early in the season and it's easy to get into end-of-days mode with United, but I know the club tried to, you know, with their Instagram social media posts, it's all about, you know, Ole's quote about the fine margins and blah, blah, blah. Look, come on. You've lost at home to Crystal Palace for the first time in the league for nearly 30 years. The performance was dire. Um, nobody until Paul Pogba 
Uh, it was the one time where actually Pogba was justified in intervening on a set piece when he told Rashford, you're not taking the free kicks anymore because you're rubbish at them. <laughs> um, but it's it's just, as I said, I think players who are still quite junior um, have, ele- have been elevated to senior status and it's it's too premature at this stage. I don't think Marcus Rashford should necessarily be the talisman of this team. Um, in fairness to Marshall, who I think turned 24 later this year, thought he was pretty decent again at the weekend. But they are just they just like seniority in that team. You go back to Mourinho's first summer. I know Ibrahimovic was 34 when he came in, but his presence, his stature, what he'd done. Um, in his career that that lifted the dressing room and that old guard and I'm not even going back to Ferguson's last days going back to the season of Rooney Ibrahimovic Carrick that's not been replaced so there's a lack of leadership there's a lack of seniority they're too juvenile and it's shown already because they've they've lost to Palace and they can decide on who should take the penalty at Wolves but I think just to jump in while I agree with well, I agree with you, Samuel. I think it's almost, it's not going to happen in the days, in the age of social media, but United fans do need to be a bit patient with this team because there are emerging, emerging leaders in there, people who Solskjaer thinks can take on senior roles like Rashford, for example. Maguire, obviously, is a potential future leader, but has only played three games for the club. It's it's difficult it's difficult to have it, to show experience when yeah. Solskjaer's deliberately jettisoned some of those older heads and and wants to move the team to a, a sort but of you younger can't, you can't be patient if you're at United I know that's, his, that's his the job, problem I understand it's, that it's, it's flawed logic in that his job is on the line if he doesn't get the Champions League football this season and then you're looking at the Europa League as the cat flat way into the Champions League if you finish outside the top four it, it, it just doesn't it, it just doesn't wash I'm afraid and Solskjaer should know that as well he but he will he will say that won't he that will be his his reasoning for getting for moving the age of the team to a younger age the, the, and bringing these players the, in the average age did need to come down but you can't go it's gone to extreme now, absolutely it? There, there, there was no balance it's like Fellaini uh, 31 out Herrera coming to I mean he's th- turned 30 recently he's let go although they wanted to keep him Valencia fair enough ship him out he was he was past it uh, Lukaku 26 but you know he's, he's he's the wrong side of his mid twenties, but with Lukaku, okay, he wanted to go. He was marginalised by Solskjaer, but you've at least got to bring in a credible forward to replace him. Daniel James persevered at the weekend, scored an elegant equaliser, um, and if they do somehow get rid of Sanchez, then they're just about justify him coming in in the let's let's it's it's a bun it was abundantly clear in um pre-season but for those who didn't watch pre-season they know it now he's not a right winger and they've gone out and bought another left winger so the attack is even more lopsided um than it was at the start of the summer so if you don't it's it's almost as if like they accept we're in a period of transition but it's almost as if they're thinking well if Frank Lampard finishes outside the top four this season he won't get sacked but it's completely different circumstances they're operating as if there isn't as much pressure on them, but there has to be pressure because in previous cases before Mourinho, the managers got sacked because they went out, they didn't qualify for the Champions League and there is an awful long way to go and there's no point really, you know, surmising where they're going to end up just yet. 
But if they do not qualify for the Champions League next season, his job has to be has to be questioned. He'll have had eighteen months. Don, we've spoken there about the maybe personnel not being right, but do you think there are tactical changes Solskjaer can actually make to to ensure that this set of players is a success and does achieve its goals this season? Because it's easy enough saying maybe they need to add new players in January, they are lacking leaders, but do you think there is enough in the squad at the moment to, to make a challenge for the top four? Well, there's enough in the squad to have won the first three games and they were close to doing so, I, I guess, but uh, I am worried about the, the the lack of sort of tactical nous that Solskjaer is showing and the reliance on bringing a 17-year-old in Mason Greenwood off the bench, for example, to try and change a game. As talented as I think Greenwood is, he's got huge potential. It's a lot to ask uh, to get him to do that. The reliance on people like uh, Andreas Pereira, who I've, I think is incredibly inconsistent in midfield. So there's, there's issues there that, that suggest that maybe Solskjaer isn't getting everything right. Um, Tactically, it's interesting that they've they've gone with four two three one this season, and that Pogba's playing a deeper midfield role. Like Samuel said, he gives the ball away. You know, he, he's liable to give the ball away, and he doesn't have that extra protection that you might need. United don't have a wealth of sort of playmaking options, which is why Jesse Lingard's playing as number ten, and fans obviously um, have taken against him of late. So. I don't know. I think Solskjaer is working with a very limited limited tools at his disposal, so that probably explains why he's gone the, the way he's gone in a in a tactical way. So you know, United are going to it's going to be a pattern emerging this season. United are going to be better against teams who allow them to counter attack. It's going to be a hard slog against teams who sit back like Palace, basically. Don't get your hopes up and support. Well, I think those home games are just going to, they're going to be yeah. a real struggle against those lowly teams. They might win a few of them, you know. They, they will win several of them. But it's it's going to be more fun when they play the big team, I think. It's going to be end-to-end and United at least have a solid back five. Samuel spoke earlier saying that the game could have been different if maybe the referee and VAR had maybe worked as someone imagined. What what was your take on, on it? Especially being in the stadium so just... I mean, VAR has obviously been brought into cater for the people who watch at home. In the stadium, we were clueless on Saturday as to what was going on. What did you make of the decisions? Because the Cahill one, I... I've, I, mean, I think it's a red card personally I've not seen really an argument about how it can't be and then the penalty that wasn't given as well in the second half what do you make of them all? You, you look at how the technology is used in cricket you don't because you don't like it I suppose but even if today um, today of all days but there is you know it's been fine tuned over the years it's not really disrupted it too much it, the drama of that isn't compromised with football it, any attempts to make football like rugby apart from taking your pint beyond the concourse should be resisted and it, it is it is killing it at the moment it's killing the the naturalness of it um the, the whole nonsense phrases like clear and obvious. These some of these rules are being rewritten by David Ellery, who, if you're too young to remember him, just Google his name with Tony Adams or Dennis Irwin, and you'll see why he was universally disliked as a referee. He was an incompetent referee. He was a supercilious referee, and it's almost like he's still haunting the game from beyond the grave. With the Marshall, um, the Cahill challenge on Marshall, you didn't have to look at it again to realise that if Marshall gets away from him, he's one-on-one. 
the other palace guy there was another palace defender might have been Kelly yeah. he was just behind Cahill he was not going to catch up with him Marshall would have been through he would have had a chance at goal that was a red card I thought the challenge by Kelly on Marshall was a penalty I thought the challenge by Lascelles on Harry Kane was a penalty for Tottenham as well I thought they were quite identical um, incidents it, it is getting to the point now where you wonder uh, it's, it sounds slightly conspiratorial but are these refs, because they obviously they work with each other, are they worried about you know going going against what their colleagues done? Do they mm-hmm. not want to hang them out to dry? I think Rob Styles, former referee, he retired prematurely because they kept on overturning his decisions. I he would give a red card, or he'd give, or, or he'd make a decision, and then the team would appeal against it and the appeal would be upheld and there would be no suspension. And that happened two or three times to the point where he didn't feel he received enough backing. So that was that. And I don't think you can underestimate um, the lasting impact of that on the, the current coterie of referees and that the, they do, you know, they're, they're going to be egos in there, but they're also going to be quite tight and look out, look out for each other. Uh, I didn't think the Rashford one was a penalty at the weekend. I think he just lent into him in the end and kind of went down a little bit desperately. But it, it isn't being used very well. Um, at Old Trafford, I'm I'm really not a fan of big screens at football stadiums anyway, but in terms of having VAR introduced, it doesn't help that you've not got that to communicate it. You just hear a woman's... I mean, it's like being in George Orwell's mm. 1984. It feels like a very dystopian... <laughs> it's like Big Brother, isn't it? Just above you. Yeah, VAR check under review, and you think, oh, God, what yeah. what, what have we come to here? It's like uh, that old Operation Red Code thing they used to play over the tannoy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Operation so Red Code it, is cancelled. It, sound, it sounds quite portentous, and um, they've only got the, the scoreboards that flash up informing you of it. Uh, but as I think... I think Martin Samuel said it a few weeks ago that the most informed uh, viewers of, of football games this nowadays are people who watch it at home. They, they, they normally, if if somebody went to a game, they would be in it. Yeah, you know, you're the one spotted things people can't see, but you get back and someone will tell you, no, your rating was poor because he did yeah, this, six and that. Of this and yeah. yeah, yeah, and we saw this and uh, like at Wolves, I thought. I thought Daniel James had dived when he got booked, but then of course you see a very slow that, from the third angle or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, sometimes certain grounds have monitors um, that are right there, and you can see the replay immediately. Other grounds don't, so that's the slight mitigation there. But as I said, the whole naturalness and the the rawness of of, of football it has it has undeniably been diluted, and I'd rather have have it used in a proper way I, I look at the City and Tottenham games this season the offside in the Champions League um, quarter final I think was VAR being used uh, in, a, in a perfect way in that Tottenham would have every right to be cursing the officials if that wasn't disallowed because you've got the technology you can see you just look at the replay and that's it mm. just whoever the broadcasters are whereas with the the handball and inverted commas by by Lepore you, you just have to look at the Tottenham players who were chuckling away and smiling to know that they'd got away with that and they just could not believe that that decision had been given so I'm all for canning it but 
it's it's here to stay unfortunately i'm so glad samuel's done all the talking on var because i do find var debates quite tedious yeah that's the problem we're we're talking about it every other week and there are more interesting things to to discuss as well yeah some people say dom that probably quite lucky united didn't get another penalty in the second half because it meant someone else can't be skating (laughs) another debate would uh would have occurred yeah yeah rashford's missed penalty what do you make of the penalty chaos it almost seemed inevitable he's gone miss when he stepped up after all that happened maybe it was a show of solidarity for pogba that he smashed it against the post but (laughs) what do you make of the set pieces at all i mean we touched on before samuel did but how just every time United get a free kick, you might as well just start looking the way, getting ready for the goal kick. Yeah, United fans have been spoiled, haven't they? Because they've had some superb free, t- free kick takers over the years. Obviously, David Beckham, uh, Ronaldo seemed to be better at free kicks at United than he became at Real Madrid. Seemed to waste quite a lot when he went to Madrid. So maybe that's the uh, maybe it's another thing that was the Fergie factor because United's free kicks have been a constant source of frustration for sort of five or six years now and their corners as well. I mean, I remember Nani never taking it past the first man from corners multiple times. And, you know, you think that these things are are easy to work on on the training pitch. You know, there's, there's all complex things like counter-pressing and blocking and all these other high blocks and mid-blocks that are talked about in terms of tactics these days. But United can't seem to get set pieces right. Do you think, I mean, it might sound stupid this, but Liverpool brought in a throw-in specialist. Well, I, I, do you not think Solskjaer yeah. should be saying David Beckham coming for one I day? don't know about David Beckham. I don't know, he, I don't know if yeah, he could afford his wages. He could take free kicks and penalties yeah, on both feet as well. immense precision. Yeah. Well, on the penalty thing... I mean, Mason Greenwood and Ashley Young are probably the two best set-piece takers at the club, aren't they? Yeah, but so. neither of them are in United's first-choice yeah, 11, really. Exactly. Um, on the penalty thing... It's obvious that Rashford should be a penalty taker. He was inches away from scoring. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad penalty. It, it was. was. It was unlucky. It was. I, he didn't score. It's not a good penalty. Well, if he, he struck it well enough, and he was probably an inch or two away struck from scoring. Well, no. Well, what Chris Waddle? I think Chris Waddle said he did everything right. Well, he didn't. He no, he didn't do everything right. But it's, 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 there's a nuance a between a good what's a good penalty and a bad penalty. But he'd rather hit a bad one in than hit a good one wide. Well, maybe, but maybe maybe the way Rashford strikes it, it seems to me that he strikes penalties in a pure, very very good fashion, and the the majority will go in. It was a good penalty against Chelsea. He's taken pressure penalties for England, uh, pressure penalty against PSG in the Champions League. Pogba seems to be unreliable, more unreliable from the penalty spot, I think. And it should be a it should be a non issue, even though Rashford missed one. But obviously, the miss sort of keeps it bubbling under the surface and. And Solskjaer saying that United had two designated penalty takers after the Wolves game was such a bizarre statement for me. You know, you, we've all played football manager. You pick who who takes the penalties and then if they miss a couple, you change it. It seems like a simple management decision, but it's created another problem which is going to run and run until someone sticks one away. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops. I think it's probably a good time for the half-time teaser. Yeah. Now, before it gets too heated here... Uh, the last time United lost at home to Crystal Palace was in 2011 in the Carabao Cup. After the break, I want you to tell me how many of the squad are still with United. See you in a minute. Hello and welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. Just before the break, I left Dom and Samuel with the teaser question. The last time United lost to Crystal Palace at home was 2-1 in the League Cup in 2011. How many 
United players remain from that squad and can you name who they are does anybody want to have their guess for match day squad of 18 for the match day squad of 18 United lost 2-1 after extra time Glenn Murray winner for Crystal Palace I remember Darren Ambrose having a good cracking game cracking goal was it Darren Ambrose yeah scored? he scored a hell of a goal I was doing a FIFA career mode with Palace that season so <laughs> glory days Darren Ambrose's long shots were incredible but uh I'm not going to be able to name them, but I'm going to have a punt at the number. Okay, that's fair. I think that's it. Um, three. I was thinking three or four, so I'll go four. Pogba was in the squad. Pogba came off the bench. Uh, was Smalling in there? Smalling started. Ashley Young. Jones. Neither of One of you got the answer correct. Let's put it that it's way. It's three. Is it three? It's three. Yeah. But who was the last player? So you've had Smalling, Pogba, and there's one more who was an unused sub that day. De Gea? No, he wasn't there. Ben Amos started in goal that day. I know Amos started. Um, I think maybe, I can't remember, I'm not sure he was on the bench actually. Definitely wasn't De Gea though. Might have been Lindergaard. Might have been. Was, um, Was Lingard in the squad? Jesse Lingard. Jesse Lingard number 53 you can both have I think that's fair <laughs> I think shared that's points it, was, it, was, it had to be three or four it couldn't be any more than that yeah with Val Morrison played as well yeah Zeki Fries is on the bench yeah. as well yeah. who actually got rough. more starts than Pogba before yeah. Pogba left which it's four years exactly to the day since United's 4-0 uh, League Cup defeat to MK Dons as well yeah, so, so be Will Grigg and yeah. Deli Alley talking of those League Cup ball. nightmares at Old Trafford yeah. Yeah. I went to that and that's probably the first time I've gone to United game and I didn't know who one of the players was on the bench yeah. which was Paddy McNair never <laughs> heard of him never even heard of him that says a lot maybe that's a different we'll do a Paddy McNair special one week to get him in yeah, yeah. who knows he might be starting this weekend who knows uh, that is what we'll get on to anyway the second half of this podcast maybe it's clear that changes are now needed in the United 11 but what do you think Solskjaer can really do with this this squad at the moment who do you think deserves to come in I've seen there's lots of, been lots of talk the likes of Mata even Angel Gomez I saw some fans even saying that Emmanuel Matic might be the Mata so <laughs> United's woes but uh, it's, it's got to that stage again where a player's reputation has been be enhanced cool. by them not playing Antonio Valencia to come in at some point come back oh, and God. people <laughs> saying Fellaini's missed you know it's all going to well Mata I thought should have started at, at the weekend and he, he certainly should start at Southampton I, I was amazed why Solskjaer didn't bring him on earlier uh, against Palace Lingard has to be dropped he's he's not got a goal or an assist in the Premier League this calendar year and there's there's an awful lot of mitigation with Lingard in that he was playing very well up until that injury against PSG Solskjaer's partly accountable because he rushed him back against Liverpool um, he broke down again then he rushed him back for that Wolves Cup game played within himself United went out and he's just not been the same player uh, since that two month period from when Solskjaer came in but Lingard's World Cup hangover is a raging one um, he's gone brand crazy off the pitch while he's had his worst while well, having his worst season on it and it, I know Solskjaer's maybe a little bit one-eyed with, with Lingard I think gave him his debut uh, in the reserves at Burnley knows him from when he was the reserves coach um, but 
there has to come a point where you take him out of the firing line because he's not playing well. Um, Solskjaer's not going to dig him out in public either. It's pretty clear there. But again, if, if United got their recruitment right, brought in a forward, brought in a midfielder, then maybe he wouldn't be a certain, what was a certain starter at the start of the season. So I, I certainly think he needs to come out from it. I think you need to look at McTominay's role because... I've not, but he, he was very impressive in pre-season, but it's the kind of, the Andreas Pereira rule plays well in pre-season, doesn't start the season particularly well. Again, he's another player who shouldn't be a, a first-teamer at United, but by virtue of the poor recruitment at the club uh, and the lack of a technical director, he is a first-teamer. And unfortunately, the alternatives of Matic, who... As, I mean, he's. I mean, he had a poor preseason. Yeah, so, yeah, so logic, you might. I might know. Be. So he might be brilliant when he come, if he comes <laughs> in at Southampton. But overall, his time at United, apart from a good start and a little purple patch under Solskjaer, he's he's been by and large pretty average at best. Uh, and then you've got Fred, who's just not had a look in and decided to have a wedding in the middle of preseason. So that's the problem it's, it's like the Argo operation they're, they're only bad choices so <laughs> who's the least worst exactly exactly so it's it's a dilemma but this is what Solskjaer signed up for this is what he knew he would um, be plunged into but I certainly think there's there's at least some encouragement that Gomez does seem to be getting closer and closer to um, to coming into the team but again we're at this stage where I think a lot of fans are in in danger of enhancing a player's reputation by virtue of them not playing and by those who have been playing not not performing particularly well. Yeah, I wrote a piece of, uh, on Sunday, the MEN, about four players who could come into the equation. Obviously, the the rule about absence makes the heart grow fonder is, uh, is relevant because I think between the four of them who were... Um, Dallow, Fred, Mata and Gomez, they've played less than 20 minutes between them so far in the three games. Obviously, Dallow is injured. But I do I do firmly believe that Fred must come into the equation. And, you know, the, you just smirk then. And obviously, United fans... I, I, I agree with you because he's got to... He's a £52 million pound midfielder point, right? in a, with a squad that is desperately lacking in midfielders. And it just seems so obvious. And Man City were interested in Fred famously before United signed him and I just wonder what kind of a season Fred might have had if he played under Pep Guardiola last season I cannot imagine it would have been like the one he had for United in, in fairness to City they it's not like United beat them to, no to, no but they did hold an interest dropped their, they dropped their interest but but there was interest there I mean you look at um, look at how a player like Rodri has already settled in at City United just see maybe it's the pressure thing or maybe it's you know I'm not accusing the coaches of of lacking anything but compared to Guardiola um, anyone's going to struggle to to measure up so but I just think Fred is a a ball playing midfielder who can grow in confidence uh, and has got to be used maybe not next week but at some stage would you have him would you have him alongside Pogba or would you push him further up the pitch or I think in certain games United are going to have to play three central midfielders um so I'd use him alongside Pogba and McTominay as a three. But I think for next week against Southampton, Samuel's absolutely right. Matt has got to come in. United are desperately lacking his experience. You, you know, bring Matt in a midfielder on the right then? I'd bring him from, from Lingard in number 10 role. I think James has, has deserved to, to keep his place on the right wing. 
Well, James kind of like switched the left in here. The, he wasn't as fixed as he yeah. was at Wolves. Uh, I, I think with Fred, I struggle to see how he performs in a two at the moment because the other the other one is, is Pogba, has mm. to be. And there's not a great deal of discipline there. It's like playing Fellaini and Pogba against City in the first Mourinho-Guardiola derby what could a, go wrong? a few years ago where they just City absolutely steamrolled them up until Bravo dropped a clanger and, and Ibrahimovic scored. So, and, and the trouble is Solskjaer has settled on 4-2-3-1. So does he now go back to 4-3-3? Ultimately, you've, you've got to pick the best pl- the players that make for the best team rather than the best players sometimes um, well, I guess that's, that's why Tony and Lingard have been chosen as well isn't it because they do fit into what yeah what Solskjaer, absolutely but of course it, it, it's all very well it working well against Chelsea albeit it was a bit of a misleading result but then when you don't win a couple of games you've certainly got to change it up and Lingard just isn't justifying his, his selection at the moment he's he's not been informed since probably uh, late January early February that's an awfully long time for a Manchester United player to be out of form and to be assured of their place I think as I said there's a lot of mitigation with Lingard the, the club were trying to build him up in the summer as, as we knew on tour by saying how um, how his, his fitness stats have been great in pre-season I think they were trying to butter him up a little bit because he felt affronted by the reaction to the holiday video but let's face it I mean if you do that I know there's a this fine line you go on holiday you're on the off season yes you should be allowed to enjoy yourself but don't look like an idiot and unfortunately he has form for looking like an idiot on social media so that's why Solskjaer had had the chat with him as as he was uh, well entitled to do and then Lingard has, has come into the team and he's not really he's not really backed himself up there. He's, he's not done himself any favours. And it was interesting at the weekend that Phelan was on his case on two separate occasions in the first half. Um, there were a couple of stray passes he played that the fans just... You could hear the exasperated groans. And when he did come off, there were some sardonic jeers as well. And I can't recall that happening with him before at a game. Normally, from a footballer's perspective, you might see all the nonsense you get mm. on social media and think it's just clowns who only uh, have a keyboard to wield. They're behind a, um, a faceless avatar. They're behind a pseudonym. But when it happens at a match, it is bound to affect you. And just looking at his body language at the weekend, it, it, he. He doesn't look confident at the moment as well. He doesn't look quite right for such an, an extroverted personality. So th- that does provide a dilemma. So then you wonder, okay, if you go four three three, you bring a more, you bring Fred in maybe with McTominay and Pogba, and you bring Matter in. But then does James come out as well? Because obviously Rashford and Marshall start, given that Solskjaer's prioritised that uh, that partnership. There, there's no, there are no foolproof solutions there whatsoever. Tom, the weekend also saw Arsenal and Tottenham both lose in the Premier League. So maybe in the grand scheme of things, it was a weekend in which United might have got away with dropping points themselves. But at this moment in time, what do you think of United's top four hopes? Oh, well, you've asked me that when ten minutes earlier, Samuel said it was too easy to too too early to look at top four predictions. I would go along with the fact that it is too early to look at top four 
predictions. But when you look at the teams below um, Man City and Liverpool, you know, you have to see an opening for United there. You just have to. They're not as as poor as some people um, have made out. They have got they have got quality, and Solskjaer is is getting there. I think in terms of blending them into a, a coherent team, because that's the one thing that's been lacking with United in in recent seasons, which is has seen the dip so far I think they just they were a team of individuals for a long long time under Van Gaal and Mourinho so I, I think with the weaknesses Arsenal look like classic Arsenal they signed the world's most unreliable centre-back to plug their defensive problem in David Luiz Spurs are liable to drop points uh, you know as we saw against Newcastle and then you know Chelsea are a, a young team who were fortunate not to drop points against Norwich actually as well and then you've got Wolves and Leicester and Everton who um, will all make a case for the top six but I can see it being the same six teams to be honest with you at the end of all that I would, I would say United are in a good position to finish fourth if they can iron out a few of their, their own problems you know the ones that can be solved on the pitch rather than signing players which is uh, obviously impossible until January yeah I guess in order for them to make a real case at the top they need to be winning games against smaller teams and a trip to Southampton this weekend Samuel it was a mixed performance when they went there last season it was one that started very oh, badly and just about Scott got... McTominay lying down yeah Cedric Suarez's free kick yeah iconic I need to, <laughs> need to get the fine of that sort of now after this because god that was good what are your thoughts going into this game Samuel because maybe you know, had lost to Crystal Palace hopes would be high and it would be oh it's going to be a run of the mill away win but with United there's always going to be that doubt at the back of your head and you know that in a similar way to Crystal Palace, I happen to have some individuals who might be able to cause a few problems to United, but uh, United have to go in as favourites then. I'd still say so, yes. Uh, Southampton had a really good result the weekend at Brighton. Again, I think you know, Brighton, new new manager, came in, uh, beat Watford in the opening weekend, and it, it wasn't it, it was an excellent result, but it was also another result that you thought... Watford looked that's awful misleading. Well, Yeah, I think... Look, with with Gracia, it's it's already looking like he's he's the favourite to get sacked first in the Premier League this season. And to be honest, I think that there was cause to sack him after the cup final and that he was grinning and kind of shrugging his shoulders. What can we do about losing 6-0 in the FA Cup final? I mean, come on, get real. You, you spent a lot of money. You should at least give them a game. Uh so Southampton will, will will have a bit of confidence about them after after the weekend result. United, their record there in recent years, it's not. I don't think it's that impressive. I think the games that they actually have won there have been very tight games. Um, don't Van, any. Van Persie scored a couple there under Van Gaal. Marshall scored a couple there under Van Gaal as well, but they were only wins by one goal, uh, one goal margins, and they didn't particularly convince in either game, especially that Van Persie game. Uh, they got a tight win under Mourinho a couple of seasons ago as well, so it's not a place they go to and just, you know, take them to the cleaners. I don't think they've done that for since an FA Cup game about 10 years ago um, when oh, Southampton yeah they're sent to yeah, when, uh, I mean Southampton would have been League think, 1 I think yeah they would have been League 1 at the time so um, so United need to play a League 1 side <laughs> if they can't yeah. play at their best yeah. I do feel like United will be will be more effective away from home this season uh, and South, Southampton with Hassan Hootel they call him the Klopp of the Alps Um they will squeeze and they He's will overrated. they will press well <laughs> um 
I think he's done a very good job there, to be fair. And uh, I went um, to cover Cardiff against Southampton last season in my previous job. And the way Hassan Hootel spoke after his team had uh, just conceded a late uh, goal to, to lose the game against Cardiff, the way he spoke was very, very impressive. So I, I have been impressed with what he's done. But I think. Nothing with words, though, do you? Unless, well, that's true. And that's very true. Unless you're a singer, I suppose. Or Jose Mourinho. Yeah. Um, they will squeeze United, and I think United could maybe be able to bypass the uh, the press. Um, going back to tactics, what you said before, I'd be interested to see if any stage this season United go with a genuine two up front, yeah. because that seems like it might be the what the best fit for Rashford and Martial to play as a sort of fluid front two. It'll probably be four two three one. Lingard may well start again. Um, but yeah, I, I, my hope is that United just keep the ball better because that's one thing we've not seen in any of the, the three games so far and they have to they have to improve. Who knows what lays ahead for that trip to the South Coast. Samuel, Dom, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. On the Manchester Is Red podcast. Please do join us again next time. We will bring you all the analysis. Hopefully not another post-mortem of what went wrong on the South Coast. But uh, United versus Southampton this weekend... See you next time on the Manchester Red Podcast. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already.